Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gottsler. Well, today takes us into the second inning of Game 3, where we sit down with recently retired head coach of Wanakee High School, Spencer Lee. Now, Coach Lee spent 26 years coaching at Wanakee, and 25 of those as head varsity coach. In this episode, um, he looks back on his career, talks about his, his rise um, as a player, and then into the coaching ranks, and also some of his um, influences along the way. He really gets into how Wanakee has grown as a community, and also digs deeper into the baseball, from youth all the way through high school. Um, we also get into some of his favorite memories over his career, just a quick look at his resume, um, 10 conference championships, five trips to Appleton, and the 2018 Division I State Championship. Um, coach Lee looks back on his time, um, not only him as a coach and how he's changed, but also just how the game has changed in the um, high school baseball landscape across the state of Wisconsin over the last 25 years. Coach refers back to his phenomenal assistant coaches, um, his role as a teacher in the district, and so much more um, that goes into you know, what made him such a successful coach at Wanakee High School. Really appreciate Coach sitting down with us today. Um, just a reminder for you, the listener, to subscribe and share and then pass these along to anyone you think who might be interested um, in learning more about these coaches and just open up more doors to baseball across the state of Wisconsin. So without further ado, recently retired head baseball coach at Wanakee High School, Spencer Lee. Hey, Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Tim. Thank, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Well, hey, um, for the listeners who don't know you, so give us your history. So where are you from? Where did you grow up? Where did you play? You bet. Um, so I grew up in a small town in central Wisconsin near Oshkosh. The town is called Amro, uh, about 3,000 people there. Um, so that's where I grew up, spent my whole life growing up there. I graduated from there back in 1988. So I've been out of high school for a while now. Um, you know, while I was there, um, you know, I was involved in the typical three sports like a lot of kids did back in those days. So I played football, basketball and baseball, um, you know, and part of the part of what was lucky for me is my dad was he wasn't a teacher, but he was one of the coaches uh, in football and then in baseball as well. So, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with him, which was great. Um, you know, so I played high, high school. Baseball was my favorite sport and it was as growing up. Um, so I played shortstop and pitcher when I was growing up. After that, I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to go to UW, UW Lacrosse and play baseball th- for their four years, primarily playing first base. Um, and then, you know, in my summers when I was in college, um, I got to hang out with the guys in Hortonville. That's pretty close to where I grew up. And, uh, you know, they've got a great program there. And I got to, let, got to know a lot of those guys and had a lot of fun playing on their summer team. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so you got into teaching, you know, so, so did you know right away you want to be a teacher coach? Like how did it all come together? You know, it, it, it was something that should have been obvious to me, but it wasn't at first. I went to college my first year at UW lacrosse and thought, you know, I wanted to go into business and I, you know, I thought I had a few options and ideas, but what really got me hooked on the coaching thing was not only the fact that my dad coached um, from the time I was in second or third grade all the way through, uh, but also I got involved with the summer rec program in my hometown. Um, so I got to coach kids as young as four, all the way up to the ages of 15. And um, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't believe I was getting paid to do it because it was so much fun um, just getting to hang out and help kids in baseball and basketball and everything like that all day long. So um, that that's what really hooked me on it. And then, you know, I, I felt like I worked well with kids and everything like that. So teaching was a natural fit. 
So what was your journey to Wanakee, Wanakee School District? You bet. So after I after I graduated from Amra High School and graduated from UW Lacrosse, um, I ended up getting a job in Mount Horeb my my first year of teaching, which was the ninety four ninety five school year, um, and I spent a year there. Um, but at that point, I had already met. Uh, she's my wife now, but we were you know we had we were just dating at that time, and she's a Wanakee native. Um, so, you know, I really wanted to get to the Madison area. So getting a job in Mount Horeb was great. And then before my second year of teaching, a job opened up here in Wanakee, a sixth grade job. Um, and now I've hold that, held that job now for 27 straight years um, because it's, you know, we raised that we decided we want to raise our family here and everything like that. So uh, that really brought us here, you know, along the way from UW Lacrosse, I did a little bit of uh, freshman baseball coaching over in Westby because that's where I did my student teaching um, and worked with the Cashton Summer Rec program too. But then ultimately ended up landing here in Wanakee and making a home of it. Fantastic. And, you know, you probably mentioned a few already, but, you know, it's kind of the, the classic sports talk question is you know, kind of the Mount Rushmore of coaching influences that as you look back on all these years and the different stops along the way. And, um, you know, if you had to pick three or four coaches along the way that are mentors and that, that Mount Rushmore, who, who would go up there? You know, first and foremost, it would definitely have to be my dad. Um, like I said, he, he got involved in coaching at our high school, um, you know, when I was, I think it was nine years old. Um, and, you know, I just, I got to go to practices with him all the time. I was the ball boy. I did, you know, I was a ball boy, I had the water boy, I did stats, you name it. I did it at about the age of 10 or 11. So, um, I just, I couldn't imagine anything better than being a part of that. And, you know, what I saw from my dad was just a absolute love of the game, love of sports, uh, just great dedication, um, a lot of hard work, um, nothing fancy, just he, he grew up on a farm. So it's just, you, you got work to do and you take care of it. Um, and, you know, to this day, my dad is still a, a, a major competitor. Um, and I, I love that part of it too. So he's definitely number one on my list. Um, you know, I played for a lot of good coaches growing up, but there's two other guys who really stand out to me in my coaching career who I actually got to work with. Um, in my early days of coaching here at Wanakee, one of my assistant coaches was Craig Zerbel. Um, he played baseball when the, for the Badgers when they still had it. Um, and I th at one point, he, I think he had the longest hitting streak in the Big Ten something like that. He threw out Kirk Gibson as a catcher uh, when he was catching and things like that. But um, he came on my staff. He had a couple of sons come through our program and um, just the passion he had for the game. Um, what a great teacher of the game he was and how he would do any research necessary to make sure he could teach and coach the kids a little bit better and just had great knowledge of the game. And, you know, I started as a head coach here at age 27. So I had a whole lot to learn. And he, in those early days, it was huge for me to have a guy like him who was so knowledgeable and, and just was willing to talk and take whatever time we ever needed to make sure we we're doing things right. Um, so he was great. Um, and then another assistant coach, um, and that, both of these guys I'm talking about, I really considered them co-coaches, not assistant coaches, um, is Tim Momarts, who he was, he joined us in 2006 and was with us for 14 years. Um, you know, and he came here, he had been a successful high school player in uh, Watertown. He played at UW-Milwaukee and then he was back at Watertown and he coached there and he came and became part of our program. Um, and that was at a point where we were kind of in the middle of a transition from uh, division two to division one high school baseball. And that's a big jump. Um, and, you know, he really came in with great ideas, uh, great detail, you know, details and great rapport with the kids and everything like that. And was really a big part of the reason how our program transformed and really, really kind of took off from the point he came here. 
That's great. You know, and that's one thing I was hoping you touch on is, is down here in the Milwaukee area, you know, it's like, a, you know, we hear about Wanakee and it's a growing school district the last X amount of years. And you've been right in the middle of that. So yeah. um, kind of what is the state of, of Wanakee baseball right now? Like, give us the overview. Um, how does it start? You know, we see the, the conference championships, the state tournament appearances, the state title in 2018. You know, you're a part of so, all of that at the helm. But like, give us the overall view of baseball in Wanakee. You bet. And it, it obviously has changed a lot over the last 25 years. Uh, you know, the, the high school in those days was about 750 kids. Now we're over 1400, I believe. So, you know, it's been a, a big, big change. Uh, but the scope of our program, you know, it starts at the youth, the kind of like most communities, we have the T-ball and you go to the coach pitch and everything like that. Uh, when they get to third grade, that's when they get to start playing more of the, you know, the quote unquote, real baseball, um, where, you know, kid pitch starts to get involved and everything like that, uh, where you do that. Um, so they have that. We used to do Little League. We used to do Cal Ripken baseball. The, in the Madison area, those kind of programs have faded quite a bit. So we're not affiliated with them officially anymore. But we're, what we're doing is really the same thing as those. Um, you know, so we do that. Um, and our kids, there's an in-house league for the kids when they're in third grade. By the time they're in fourth and fifth and beyond, um, they're playing against other, other communities in the Madison area uh, to, to get those, get those opportunities. And then the other thing that we do as well is we have a lot of kids who want to play at higher levels. So we offer, it's, it's a program that a bunch of our youth coaches came up with, had a real good idea. And we've, we've gone with it. They call it the road warriors uh, where they are, which is a pretty cool name, if nothing else, but um, you know, they, they, go through a selection process. Uh, nobody gets cut, but they kind of pick a top, a top group of guys and they do a lot more training and everything like that to really try to develop those kids more. And they work, uh, they've worked really closely, not only with me, but probably even more so with the, one of my assistant coaches who, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful will become our next head coach, Mike, at Thingbold. Uh, they've done a lot of work together uh, to really build that program up and give kids some great opportunities. And obviously like everywhere else, we have a lot of kids going to play and travel ball as well. Well, that's one thing you hear, you know, in a one high school town that, you know, I'm in a one high school town, as are you, you know, a lot of us high school coaches are, you know, so much of it is getting involved in your youth program. But what I've learned over the years, and you know really well, is there's different ways to do that. So over your career, how did you, I don't know, put your stamp and influence that youth program? Because it takes a lot of time and there's a lot of different ways to do it. So what was your, what was your uh, strategy in doing that? Yeah. And, you know, when, when I was a young coach starting out, that was hard to do because, you know, I didn't have a ton of experience when I took the head coaching job. Um, so, you know, that part of it was challenging and there was a program in place that had been, been used for a while and it was doing a lot of good things for us. It was providing us with a lot of players, uh, but what was happening. We were kind of having, we were ending up having some years where there were some gaps where, you know, one year you might've had a lot of talent and the next year there wasn't as much. And if you run into a couple of bad years in a row, we had a couple of lean years in the early 2000s. It was kind of like, all right, we have to we have to figure something out here. So, you know, we have a really good rec director in our town named Jeff Skog, um, who, you know, worked with me a lot with the youth baseball. So we've set it up now, like I talked about with our in-house league and going against other communities and things. So, um, you know, we've it's really been a collaboration with, you know, our village rec director and our youth coaches and some of my assistant coaches, too, uh, to make sure that we're providing real good opportunities here, um, you know, so that kids can can really play good baseball and want a key. And, and, you know, not everybody's willing or able to go play travel ball so that the kids who play here still have a chance to develop and be good, become good players and can help us out at the high school level. 
That's great. And, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but obviously as high school coaches, we have such limited access to our players in regards to skill development, off-season training. So you do end up, you know, outsourcing some of the development, even at the high school level and the local academies or whatever else it may be. But obviously at the youth level, you know, I know a lot of incoming freshman families are kind of always surprised that we can't have off-season practice. Mm-hmm. Unaware of that. So, Obviously, you guys put something in place and did a fantastic job all these years. Like I mentioned before, championships, state championship, state permanent appearances. So when you look back on your success, if you had the keys to success, maybe give us a couple of things that you thought you did really well that led to success of Wanaki baseball. Yeah, I mean, so much of it starts with what happens at the youth level. And we've we've been very blessed here to have a lot of kids, um, just you know, too many to count, who have been really dedicated and who've want, who've loved the game and have wanted to get better and enjoyed being great teammates um, and loved playing for their hometown. Um, you know, so we've had a ton of kids like that um, who who've done that. We've had great families who are willing, who've been willing to and able to pay for a lot of extra training, whether it's club ball or not, or just camps and clinics and things like that. Because, like you said, we don't have huge access during the off season and everything like that to our kids. It's a, you know, it's a challenge. So we've had a lot of families who've been willing to go above and beyond. Um, and, you know, that, like I said, they've got the great kids. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've always been comfortable with, I've mentioned a couple of coaches I've worked with uh, previous, uh, who I've worked with while I was in, in Wanaki as the head coach, uh, Craig Zerbel, Tim Momarts, and Micah Thingbold, among others. Um, those guys are all, have all been really, ta- were really talented. Um, and, to me, it didn't matter who they were getting the message from. It was more that they were getting the message that was going to help them be a good baseball player, whether it was, you know, um, I played infield my whole life. And in 25 years as head coach, I think I coached our infielders one or two years because I've had guys who've known it so well that I could focus on other things. And let I just let those guys do their thing because I had that much faith in them. We had built such good relationships uh, that they could do their thing. And that allowed us to get better because, like I said, it was, it was just important to let those talented guys help our kids because the kids are so eager to learn. Um, and once they start to get that taste of success, you know, they're showing up, they're showing up more for things in the summer. They're doing more things in the winter. There's more kids who want to play. So it's kind of a combination of things that really kind of pulled it together and allowed so many nice things to happen over these years. Two things that, that really stand out to me when you said it, the first thing is how much pride kids in your community take in playing for the high school baseball program. Mm-hmm. What's happened in some communities, unfortunately, is, you know, they identify themselves as a travel baseball player first that attends, the, you know, attends a high school that they live in. Yeah. Like what your program has done so well and others across the state is that, you know, when they think about, okay, I, I play for Wanaki first, but I also play for this club organization. And, and I think I see you nodding your head because you know exactly what I'm talking about. So kind of dig into that a little bit. Like how do you create an environment where it means a ton to play for Wanaki High School? Yeah, I mean, so much if, if you look, you know, and a lot of people think of Wanaki, they think of our football program, which is has been phenomenal forever since before I got to town. Um, you know, so a lot of people think of that. And that program has really built a lot of pride that carries over into other programs as well. But then it's up to each program individually to cultivate that on our own as well. Um, and, you know, it's it's. It, it's a little bit hard to explain probably because it's just part of ingrained in kids as they come through our programs here and everything like that. Um, but, you know, we have dealt with some of that too, where, you know, 
the travel ball is really important to to players and and it is because you know in high school baseball today how many coach how many college coaches are coming to Wanakee or wherever for a high school game to see one guy. They're not. They're going to showcases in the summertime and over the winter where they can see them. Um, so, you know, we've what we've had to do is kind of work a little bit harder to educate guys that, hey, that is important. And we want, you know, we want you guys to get those opportunities to go play college ball. And, you know, we've had some guys go D1, you know, and everything like that, like a lot of other communities have too. Um, but, you know, we just try to educate a little bit about the history of our program too, and how important it is and how special it is to be part of a community like this, um, where, you know, you, you have just so much pride overall, where you're playing for your teammates, you're playing for your school and you're playing community and how unique that is and how special that is. Um, and kids, you know, kids get it and, and they, they buy into that and they think it's, it, it's all real. You know, it, it's everybody, we, as a coaching staff, we totally feel that way. We love the travel ball and the things that kids go and do because it helps us. Um, but at the same time, you know, we feel like just like every other school around, we feel like we have something special here too. That's I think that's, I don't want to say the next frontier, but it's, it's the elephant in the room, right? It has been in, in, in our state and other states, uh, I'm sure across the country, but that relationship is if cultivated in a, if cultivated correctly, I think is, is really good for the kid and good for both organizations. And, and for you, over 25 years as head coach, I'm sure that has changed a lot. Yeah. You get a call about one of your, your players from a college coach. It's typically not about his skill set, right? It's about what's he like in the classroom? What are his practice habits, right? Because they see him playing across the summer. They're not, like you said, they're not coming to a game because they have the season at the same time. They, you know, they play in the spring as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's, that's a, that is an important part of it for sure. And then the second point you mentioned about kind of keys to success was letting your assistant coaches work, you know, and I know I'm sure you're <laughs> a lot like other coaches were control freaks. And, totally. Right. Or everything. It's, it's fundraising to the schedule, to the times in this drill and that drill and buzzers and timers going off everywhere. Um, so to get to a point where you trust your assistants to let them work. Um, obviously the few guys that you mentioned are important, but all the way up and down your program, it allows you to breathe a little bit, but also to, you know, empower your coaches. And, and how important has that been to you, you know, professionally and to be able to keep you sane throughout this whole process? Yeah. I mean, it's, it has become a year round job. You know, I mean, when I first started um, our batting cages were in the wrestling room and wrestling season went up right till baseball season. So they'd with rope, they'd hang the batting cages up on Saturday or Sunday before we started. So, you know, we never got to, we never got to do anything before the season. Um, but now with, with all the programs we have and the facilities we have, which have improved, you know, it's our coaches spend a lot of time together going over the things that we want kids to be able to master and, you know, where they should be at by the time they're done as a freshman, as a sophomore and everything like that. So, um, you know, it doesn't, that, that trust and that willingness to, to give up some of that control, which is really hard for all of us as head coaches is something that definitely takes a lot of time. And, you know, over, over the years that I did it, it became easier and easier just because there's so many things uh, that we have to do for the job uh, that, you know, to have guys like that. And I've been so lucky to have those guys among others um, that it's just a few less things that I have to worry about. Um, and it, it, it allows them to use their talents and it, in the, in the long run, it has made us a better program. Oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Well, 
like you mentioned, your facilities have changed, you know, the, the landscape of recruiting, all this has changed, but how about you? Like the coach you were when you started or like your coaching journey, how have you changed as a leader? Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I really, when I started coaching, I really coached like I was coached when I was a kid, um, which is, which is not ideal. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, growing up and playing little league ball and everything like that in the late seventies into the early eighties and everything like that, you know, there was kind of a certain way that things were done. Um, and, you know, it's, it took me a little while to figure that out, but you know, that wasn't the best way to reach kids to build the relationships you wanted to and get them to play the, as hard as you'd like them to play and, and to reach their potential. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I really, I really think about. I, it was a couple of years ago it was pre COVID. I ran into some guys who were on one of my first teams. Um, and we were talking a little bit and I was like, man, I said, I was so bad at that job at that time. I said, I'm, I'm amazed that you guys stuck with it. And, you know, we had some good laughs and, uh, you know, a couple of beers too. I hope I can say that on here, uh, a few laughs and a couple of beers. And, uh, you know, it was, it was real, it was a real fun conversation and everything like that. But that was one of the things I told him about is just how much I knew I had to learn because uh, I wasn't that much older than them, than, than them when I started. So, um, like I said, I delegate a lot more now. That's one of the ways that I've changed quite a bit. Um, just knowing all the things that are going to come up, whether it's with your booster club, whether it's with your summer program, whether it's with parents, whether it's whatever, uh, just, you know, what's coming. Um, so you're better prepared and ready to handle those types of things. Um, you know, I, I, one of the a couple of things that I think with assist with some of my assistant coaches, co-coaches that I've had is, you know, we've gotten really, we really got a lot better at listening to our players, talking to them and listening to them about, you know, hey, what do you, what do you think we're missing right now? What do we need to work on more in practice? Um, when we've had some really strong captains, some strong leaders over the years, you know, we've talked to them about lineups and, and different things like that. Um, and that's been very empowering for those guys. Um, and it's, and all the guys on the team have really liked that and enjoyed that piece of it where, you know, they could, those captains could also alert us to, Hey, this guy's having a problem at home or this guy's getting really frustrated with how much he's playing and things like that. And, you know, the other thing with that, if talking to our guys and doing, I think a pretty good job of listening to them um, is also rewarding a lot of the hard work. Um, you know, when I was a younger coach, I didn't play too many guys off of the bench. Um, you know, this, this was our group and, and that was going to be it. And, you know, we've played, we've, we play a lot of guys who are working hard in practice and, you know, they might not be the most talented guys and they might have, you know, they might have some, some weaknesses and everything like that. Uh, but we've, we've found spots for those guys and gotten them into play. And that really helps build that team chemistry where everybody on the team is rooting for everybody else. But what the, what your older guys were telling you, guys at graduate said you've gotten soft. They said you a little soft, huh? Yeah, they they said you mean you don't make them run foul pole, you know all those foul poles and everything like that. I'm like we don't have time for that anymore. We got too much right. we got too much baseball to work on to to spend all our time running. So so yeah, but it was it was a fun conversation. It was a great group of guys I had in my early days too. Um, and it, you know what I told them is I said I wish. I could have coached you guys, you know, at this point in my career, because we'd won number one, we'd won more games and we'd had a lot more fun doing it too. Well, I'm going to kind of stay there for a second. Along the way, when you made that transition as a leader, like did something happen? Was there a, was there a, an incident that happened that you thought, huh, we got to start doing this a little bit different. Was there a conversation or a season that you had that you felt like was a tipping point for, for your leadership style? Um, you know, a lot of it was self-reflection and just realizing that sometimes, you know, when, when you're young and you get started, you, you 
think you kind of know what you're talking about. And, you know, I, I started to realize I had a lot to learn and I had a lot of things to improve on. Um, and that, you know, that was certainly one thing that that really spurred it on. But having some of those real good assistant coaches I've had and talking to a lot of players over the, you know, just talking to players each and every year and and doing a better job of hearing what they're saying and where they're coming from has been, it were things that really helped me to realize that that's the direction you need to go to be successful. Um, and, and to have the kids really want to buy in and really want to take the pride that we all want everybody in our programs to have. Um, you know, I'm really fortunate. Uh, like I said, my wife grew up in Wanakee. Um, and you know, she's, she's been at probably 99% of the games that we've, that we've had over the years uh, that, you know, she was, in the hospital once when we had a baby, so she couldn't come to that day. Uh, you know, she couldn't come to that game, but she actually made me go to the game that day. Um, she's like, you got to get out of here and go coach. But, um, you know, so we've, she's been, she's been unbelievable in, you know, the willingness to have conversations with me. She's told me some things that, you know, that I've done well and made me feel good about those. And she's also been very willing to tell me times when I've screwed up and, you know, that's not going to help your program up very much. So, um, and, the the thing about it is she's always right too. So when it's come to those, when it's come to those uh, conversations we've had, she's always been spot on. So, you know, I've just had a lot of people who I've been able to lean on for, for real good influence and real good help and advice. If you wouldn't mind, I guess I want to stay there a little bit too. I mean, because you, your days of being a head coach were pre-children, had young ones and now, you know, all the way through, like, Right. You mentioned earlier, coaches are it's year round. Even high school baseball in Wisconsin is a year round. Job. There's something to do 365 mm -hmm. you want to. Right. But I think what a lot of guys are running into, and I'm sure it's in every sport, but balancing the family aspect. Mm -hmm. If you had to give advice to a coach that's in it right now in the thick of it, um, you know, like what, what, how would you advise them? Just just balancing work and family and, you, you know, your day job and everything else. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, I've, when I've talked to quite a few people here since I've stepped down as the coach, um, you know, what, what I've said to a lot of people is, well, I'm down to one full-time job now, um, you know, because the coaching job is is another full-time job on top of it. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's a really hard balancing act. Um, you know, it, it ends up being, you know, when my kids were younger, it ended up being a lot of times after they got to bed. Um, that would, that's when the work would begin, you know, if it was whenever they got to sleep, if, when they were sick, you know, all those things like that, that all of us who have kids would go through, you know, sometimes it ended up being pretty late or you'd get up pretty early, but, um, you know, it's, it's different for everybody, but how you find that balance, you know, I've, like I said, I've been very lucky. My wife is from Wanakee, um, you know, and her family is all here. So she's got several siblings and, you know, our parents, and they've helped us out with our kids a lot when we've been a little bit swamped over, you know, and especially when the kids were younger and, and just really as much as anything for me, it was finding a way to organize myself as, as well as possible of how am I going to get all the things I needed to get done for school? When am I going to get those done? Um, how am I going to make sure I have everything ready for baseball? And on top of that, the most important job is how am I going to be a, a good husband and a good father? You know, so and that's, you know, I think all of us who coach, you know, we're certainly not perfect at it. Um, you know, we, we oftentimes we do spend too much time on our coaching. Um, you know, that does happen. But, um, you know, it's it's just really been a lot of for me in, in particular, just figuring out coming up with a plan that works and it's, it's different for everybody. But, you know, for me, it was usually Sunday mornings 
coming into school and getting everything I needed ready for the week or the next two weeks for school and having that done then having family time during the day. And then when the kids go to bed, making sure the baseball things are ready to go. So, you know, it works a little different for everybody, but I, and it was, there was some trial and error involved, but I was finally able to find a way that I could get things taken care of and, and still feel like I'm not failing as, as a husband or a, or a father or as a teacher, or as a coach. That's fantastic. And I always, I feel like baseball coaches should be uh, teach classes in time management and adjustability, right? With uh, with the rainy 50-50 day at one o'clock on a Tuesday and mm-hmm. everything else, like all the things you mentioned, right? When the babies are little and you're cleaning bottles and you're putting the crock pot away and you're trying to get the stats in and everything else. Oh, man. Wow. Well, hey, I mean, as you look back, um, like what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Um <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we talked about the job being a full-time job and being so much to do, whether it's, you know, I mean, I remember when I first started, it, I didn't know for sure if I got up there on game day, you know, if the field was going to be dragged and lined or not, if it was going to be mowed in the last week and a half or not, you know, how fast the grass grows in the spring, you know, things like that, you have booster club things, you have parent things going on, you have, you know, communication with the school I've never taught in the high school so you know I had to maintain communication over with with folks at the high school too you know there's lots of different things that can distract you from the job and I certainly was distracted by them a lot over all the years Um, but what I the the biggest thing that I've known now that I didn't at first is the only thing that really matters is taking care of your your the players and your staff and making sure you're doing the things that you need to do to to have a, a a good a good feeling when you finish your season no matter how far you make it in the postseason or not um so it was really of just being able to keep the eyes on that prize of just take care of baseball all the other things will take care of themselves and yeah there's you know sometimes it's later at night earlier in the morning whatever but it's really just trying to make sure we're taking care of that and you know how are we going to get better today at practice you know, how are we going to play better today than we did, you know, because we had a tough game last time out. How are we going to play better today of just really keeping the fo- focus on that makes it much more enjoyable um, of, of just narrowing that focus and, you know, dealing with all the other things you have to, but really making that the top priority um, because it's easy to get to lose focus on that sometimes on the actual baseball piece of it. I was reading one of the articles uh, when you announced your retirement that one of your assistants, I forget which one it was, but was saying how, you have like a, a rain man type memory of, of, of every game and every pitch. Like, so how do you even sleep at night? Like, I feel like you got to be replaying stuff all the time. Oh, I, yeah, I replay innings, games, pitches, whatever, all the time. Um, you know, even now that I'm not doing it anymore, um, that, that does happen. And I'm, I'm not sure why, you know, I'm like most people, I forget where I put my keys sometimes and things like that, but I can, you know, I can remember when I was a bat boy on my dad's baseball team, when I was about four or five years old, um, you know, what, when they were trying to intentionally walk a guy, but they threw it too close and the guy got a single on it. You know, it was, I can remember games, details like that, like nothing. Um, so I don't know how that is or why it is. It's just because, I mean, I think mainly just because I've been so engrossed in sports my whole life and just loved everything about sports. And I obviously sports and education mean a ton to you. You've you've chosen this vocation in your life and family is very important to you as well. And and I know you've been asked this question, I'm sure a lot, but that 2018 season, right? I mean, you could write a movie about that stuff. So a couple years out of it now, kind of reflect on what that meant to you personally. In your family. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it really was everything, um, you know, just just from the standpoint of, you know, that as a that group, we had about half of the team back from 2017 when we got to Appleton and we got beat pretty handily by a, an outstanding Kimberly team. Um, I think we got beat 11 to two in 2017. And that was, you know, that was one of those things for our guys was a big motivator. Um, you know, they they didn't like that feeling. And so they were really motivated to get back and and do better the next year. Um, you know, and that's that's it's always easy to say and do. But the guys also put in the time in the off season, whether it's in the, the weight room, you know, in, in the batting cage, whatever. They really put the time in and worked hard and got better. And, you know, we we always play a tough schedule. We always try to play good teams outside of outside of our conference as well, because I think that's one of the ways that you become better in the in, for postseason play. And, you know, during that season, we had a it was a Friday, Monday we played at Arrowhead on a Friday and we played home against Janesville Craig on a Monday and we got blown out both of the games. Um, you know, and this is, this is a season where we won a state championship. Um, and you know, it, I mean, the games were not competitive at all. They just absolutely took it to us. Um, so we're sitting there thinking, you know, we like the way we saw our regional and our sectional setting up. We thought, Hey, we have a chance, but wow, it's there, this, you know, as coaches were saying, are we going to be able to get over this hump or not? Um, and we played Sun Prairie at the end of the regular season, traditional powerhouse. We lost to them by a couple runs. And the, the thing that stood with me, and that was right towards the end of the regular season, is the guys on our team weren't happy about, weren't happy about it. Because, you know, Sun Prairie, there's, you know, there's a bit of an intimidation factor there with those guys because they're always so good. Um, and at, and at nothing but the utmost respect for Rob and his program. But our guys after that game were like, you know, they just said we really felt like we should have beat them that day. Um, we're not happy with how that played out. So um, it, it was those those losses, I think, really built some resolve in our team, realizing we have to keep working and that we maybe we can do a little bit better than we have against some of those really good teams like that. So, you know, we got to the postseason and we played a, a pretty solid Toma team, beat them in the first game of the regional. But then our guys in the sectional played lights out. I mean, we we won by the 10 run rule in both games there that day um you know and I mean our guys everybody on our team had a great day um anybody who got on the field did something positive everybody played great we had Nate Stevens on our team who is he started at Arkansas he's at Washington State now um I mean in two games we only played 10 innings he had a double he had three home runs and he drove in 10 run drove in 10 runs that day and we had a bunch of guys just play well so our guys came out of that just feeling very confident we knew when we went up to Appleton that we were definitely going to be considered an underdog and you know, we played that up a little bit um, and our guys decided our guys, you know, we talked about it. Um, you know, you can be tentative like we were in 2017 and all you find yourself down by a, a big chunk of runs right away. Or we can just come out and say, you know what, we're going to go for it. We're going to lay it all out there and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, those guys, um, you know, we played a really good Eau Claire North team that first game. And that was a back and forth. We were up. We were up five nothing. It was tied. We were up seven five. They tied it again, and then we finally pulled away late. Had some clutch plays. Uh, we played Green Bay Preble in the semifinal that night. Um, that game went eleven innings, um, which seemed like it was never going to end. Um, you know, and that was I. You know, I didn't mention my son was on the twenty eighteen team, which was which made it obviously even more special. You know, he came in in relief in that eleven inning games. Uh, he allowed a couple base runners, and he wasn't a super hard thrower, just a good pitcher, good baseball player. He struck out three guys in a row to end that game. Um, you know, after we finally got a couple of big hits in the top of the 11th to put him away in the bottom half. Um, and then, you know, we played a couple of days later and, you know, it was, it was his turn to, to take the mound, my son, Derek, um, you know, and he took the mound and just pitched a, 
a whale of a game against Arrowhead and we ended up winning that one three to one. Um, you know, the, the thing about that is they got a couple runners on in the seventh also. Um, and, you know, it was what's so cool about it. You know, your kids from the time they're in diapers till the time they're that age. And, you know, he just he went to a place, you know, in that competitive nature. He went to a place that, uh, you know, I don't know if I ever could have gone there where he went to to just stick with it and make that happen. And, you know, that was that was so cool because so many guys in that team had been coaching him since T-ball and coach pitch, you know, to see that. Um it would have been it would have been an amazing feeling no matter what, but to have my son and a bunch of kids he grew up with uh, doing that, it still gives me I've got goosebumps right now. In fact, it still gives me goosebumps to this day. That's incredible. I got to think about right. Your son's on. He records that last out state championship. Gloves fly in the air. Like just take yourself back to that moment. What what are you thinking at that point? What do you even do? Um, well, it was it was it was pretty neat actually because. Um, you know, like I said, my, the coaching staff I had was, was just phenomenal. Um, and, you know, through, so we played, I think it was 25 innings because that 11 inning, 11 inning game against Preble, we played 25 innings and it was amazing how we were just, we were on the same page with every decision that needed to be made from the first pitch of the first game to the last pitch of the, of the final game there. Um, and it, it was funny because we were, we were watching, but we just had a, in the dugout, nobody cared about what's happened in the dugout. We had kind of had a group, group coaches hug, um, just saying, can you believe this? And then, you know, then we just watched the kids out there, you know, jumping all over each other and, and having so much fun with it that it was, I mean, it was an incredible moment. Um, you know, I watch it on, we watch the, every year it's, we won it on June 14th. So on June 14th, we pop in the DVD for three years in a row now after it. Um, and my wife and my daughter are sitting right behind, home plate that whole game. And, you know, that's, it, it was just such a cool thing. Uh, not only for our family, obviously amazing for our family, but for everybody involved with our program. Thanks for opening that up. I mean, that, that like I said, hopefully it's goosebump moments for you and the people listening, just they gotta love that story. So, all right. Well, I mean, as you look back, how is, how is high school, ba- I mean, baseball in Wisconsin has changed so much. It, it just, in my time. So, unpack it for us like how in your opinion how has it changed like what really good things have happened and maybe where do we need to keep making changes as a state yeah you know it 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 was so different in 97 my first year I mean if if a guy was throwing upper 70s you know that was a challenge you know there were a lot there was a lot of 72 mile an hour guys out there you know and it, it was so different with that and just there were no indoor facilities where they could go practice in the off season or anything like that. Um, so that was, that was very, very just the way things were. And everybody did the same thing in, in this area, all the head coaches coached the Legion teams in the summer too. Um, you know, so, you know, we stayed busy from, you know, March until whenever we got done at the end of the Legion season, um, you know, so we had that, but yeah, now with all the, the indoor facilities that have popped up and all the training, training options and things like that, it, it's really amazing how, hard kids can throw now and how, how, how quick their bats come through the zone and, you know, just how refined their skills are. You know, it was back in those days, it was, it was so easy for kids to improve because they were just showing up and, you know, anything you did was making them a little bit better. Um, so, you know, the, the job of the high school coach is harder now because, you know, they're going and getting all this training at indoor at 
at private facilities and everything like that with clubs. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things we've actually done here is we sat down with some of the, some of the club coaches because we were having a little disconnect with our players. This was probably six, seven years ago, um, just in terms of drills and everything like that. And so we talked to the guys, um, great guys over at GRB. They run a great program there. Um, we sat down and talked to them and we found out we were doing virtually the same drills. We just had slightly different terminology. Um, so, so we just started using a few different terms and it, it made things, it made things so much easier for us. So, you know, we've embraced what kids do with those programs and tried to communicate with programs like that, uh, to make sure that we're kind of speaking the same language. Um, so, you know, but they come in with such refined skills now and such knowledge of the game and, and everything like that. So, you know, it's, it's been nice to see. And I liked it when the state, when we all went to one season, there used to be the spring and the summer. And I know a lot of hardcore people really liked that summer. I like that everybody is together. I like all that talent together in the same season, uh, which makes it harder for everybody to win. Um, but I think it, I think it's really good for high school baseball in Wisconsin. So I like that a lot. Um, so, you know, just how good players have gotten really amazes me um, from, you know, from even 15 years ago when that wave started coming this way to the Madison area, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, now you watch major league baseball, other than the pitchers, you know, nobody bunts, um, which, you know, it seems like there's a time and a place for that sometime. You know, there really isn't uh, the guys throwing seven straight. Why would I take a pitch? I might be able to hit this one out of the park. You know, some of those little things that I think are unique to high, high school baseball hitting behind runners, you know, those are things that we probably have to talk about a little bit more in our spring seasons um, and, and just kind of make guys realize the importance of those a little bit more in high school where when you get to the playoffs, it's a one and done scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fantastic. So obviously the skills have gotten better, right? The players are coming in at higher skills, all the things you mentioned. Yes. Have you seen a different – have you seen a change in, in, in the player you know, besides the skill set? Is there anything that's changed just culturally with high school kids the last 25 years? Um, that's a tough question because in, in general, I think high school kids – today in 2021 aren't altogether that different one than they were when I started in 95, 96, 97. I don't think kids are that much different, um, but with the opportunities they have uh, now with outside of, outside of the program, you know, basketball, it's the AU basketball and all those, you know, and there's soccer, there's so many travel programs and all those things like that. Um, you know, with a lot of that knowledge, kids have, have really, really gathered uh, you know it's it's so important to explain the why you know why are we doing this drill why you know why are we switching to this why are we running with this lineup to explain that why which you know you know how busy you are sometimes that's we feel like there sometimes you probably feel like there isn't time to do it but explaining that why and having those conversations um, is is really a, a difference maker now I, like I said I don't think kids are that much different um, but you know, how you go about your business and the drills. Like I said, when I first started, we did drills. We said, you know, these are going to make you better. So, and kids in general, like, okay, uh, we'll do them. And, you know, now explaining why we're doing them and what the benefit will be and things like that, building that into our teaching component is, is really a difference maker and helps us and, you know, it helps us to get kids to, to work on the things we want them to work on. Well, and to me, you know, I think the old do it cause I told you, so you get compliance, like I said, environment you and I are raised in and most coaches are raised in that environment. Mm -hmm. um, but now, you know, the explaining the why 
although probably caught people off guard at first, I think, you, you know, that you get more buy-in, there's more investment when the kid says, oh yeah, that does make sense because, mm-hmm. you know, we, they're not thinking about that. Um, so if I gave you a magic wand and said, I could make whatever changes you want to, to baseball across the state of Wisconsin, it could be at the WIA level, the association level, where's your mind go when I bring that up? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. I, one of the first things that comes to mind, and you know, we've been fortunate to, to get to state a few times over the years. Um, and we've been fortunate a couple of times to win that first game and get to move on. Um, I'm, I'm truly not a fan of playing two games on the same day. Um, you know, we've in 2010, we made it to state. That was the first year we made it to state as a division one team. Um, and we had beaten an outstanding Kimberly team in the morning and there was rain and everything like that. So we started our game at, you know, I would say like 1045 at night against Bayport, um, who was loaded. Um, and, you know, and we played through rain and everything like that. And the kids who had invested so much of themselves, their high school career ended at, you know, 1230 in the morning um, with nobody watching. You know, I, I just felt I didn't like that. Um, you know, so that that playing two games in the same day, especially when you play so late and I understand there's constraints with how long they can get the facility up there in Appleton and everything like that. Uh, but to me, that's one of the things that I I really never liked. Um, and you know, it was, it was a lot more fun in 2018 when we won both of the games that day, of course. Um, but I still, I still didn't like it. You know, I, I, there's a, there was a part of me that always said, you know, whether it was my team or other teams they won that first game. That might be the last game they win in their high school careers. Let them enjoy it for that day and then come back and play again tomorrow. And I know the scheduling piece of it is, is a mess and is a challenge, but that's one of the first things that really comes to me. Um, You know, probably the other thing is, you know, and this isn't, I guess this does, it affects the high school program. You know, not all of our kids in any program go play travel ball. Um, And, you know, it's every sport is year round now. So summer used to be kind of a sacred baseball time. You know, we had them in June and July, and now it's, it's you know, we, st- we have to fight a little bit more for that. So that's one of the things that, you know, I know um, all our programs are great around here. We have great coaches. We really work cooperatively in Wanakee together. Um, but, you know, that, that fight for the summertime, which is so crucial for us, um, building towards next year, um, you know, kind of that fight for that is, is one that always kind of stood out to me as I got towards the latter part of my career. Well, speaking of your career, now that you've officially, you know, pulled the pen and you're just a teacher now, um, you know, when you look back on those years, I mean, we might have mentioned them some already, but like, what are your favorite memories? What, what things do stand out? Yeah, you know, uh, there are so many th- that there's so many things that really come to mind. You know, I can think of, you know, individual things like we played at uh, Miller Park several times over the years. You know, we had great support from our families and our community to buy all those tickets you have to buy and everything like that. And we had one of our players, Derek Strauss, um, who graduated in 2011, he ended up playing football for the Badgers. Um, Just a fantastic athlete, but he hit one out, hit one out of Miller Park, uh, which I didn't think any high school kid, I I didn't think I'd ever see anybody do that. And he had one that hit the back of the bullpen in left field. Um, And I, I don't know, it, it was hard to decide who was more, more excited about it. Him, obviously a great young man, uh, those kids in the field, like their kid jumped into the bullpen and got the ball and brought, ran it over to me to make sure I could give it to him. So, you know, individual things like that were, were really cool. And we've had, you know, there's a lot of those moments, uh, whether it's at Miller Park or wherever else you're playing. But, you know, I can remember in 2010, that was our first time we made it to state as a Division One team. 
Um, and, you know, we played, it was a nail biter against Middleton in the sectional final and <laughs> um, went to extras. And, you know, I, I mean, usually I'm able to stay fairly calm during those big moments and everything like that. I mean, that, I thought I was going to throw up. That was such, such gut churning. Um, and our guys pulled it through. Um, you know, we, we had some big wins there. Um, and obviously probably the biggest thing that really stands out to me, you know, besides just having so many great kids and great families and great people I got to work with over the years, whether it was from Wanakee or from our opponents. I mean, lots of good friends from people I coach again, have coached against, and they'll be friends now that I've been coaching too. Um, and the fact that it's, you know, it's really been a family affair. Like I said, my wife is a, a Wanakee native, um, is loves everything Wanakee. You know, my daughter, um, who's a teacher now, you know, she was a manager for us when she was in high school. So it was great to have her in the dugout and then getting to coach my son too, was was phenomenal. So it's really been a family affair. Um, and then, you know, but the biggest thing, if, you know, if any of us ever start talking about it, you know, the first thing that'll come up is, you know, state tournament 2018, you know, and we got that, you know, and, you know, that's, uh, I just remember on the bus ride back, somebody sent one of our vendors sent us some, some logos for t-shirts and stuff like that. And I was sharing it. And the guys were like, we don't care about t-shirts. We just want, we're, we can't wait to get that big ring. Um, you know, so we got those big rings and everything like that. So, you know, that's the one that really stands out. But, you know, so much of it is just the people you you got. I got to coach, got to encounter, work with, um, you know, become friends with and and just so many, so many wonderful experiences. I mean, it's 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 truly been a blessing to be able to do it for as long as I did. You know, some of the schools we've coached that coach against have had seven, eight coaches during that time. Um, you know, so to have been able to last that long and to get to do it that long for something I absolutely and completely loved um you know it, it's 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 nothing but good feelings that's fantastic so next spring spring of 2022 i mean what are you going to do with your time what are you going to do at 4 30 uh, in april and in may yeah you know it, it's it's interesting uh because you know i i I obviously want to be a resource for whoever our new head coaches. Those interviews are coming up next week, I believe. Um, you know, I want to be a resource for them or whatever and, and, you know, share whatever I can with them and, you know, while letting them establish the program the way they want to, obviously, uh, to do that. But, uh, you know, my wife has kind of told me that uh, her sister lives in town, too, and she has a, a fifth grade son. Um, and she, my wife has kind of informed me and we've joked back and forth about it. And my sister-in-law um, said, you know, you're, you're coming to run practices for those guys too, you know, in the spring. So I said, you know what, that's not too bad. I said, you know, I, I did that day-to-day -day grind for 25 years and loved it. It was just time to move on from that day-to-day -day grind for me as much as anything, but going to a couple practices a week, things like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll still be involved in some, in some way, shape or form, but um, just, just done with that. Uh, 24 seven, 365 thing. There's gotta be something so pure about going to coach a bunch of 11 year olds, right? There's, there's no pressure. It's development only it's mm -hmm. metals. I mean, it, that, that's, I, I think you're really going to enjoy that time. That, that's great. Well, my last question for you, I mean, leave some advice, empty your pockets for us, some advice for coaches, coaches get started coaches that have been in it for a while. Like when I bring up advice, what comes to mind? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking of things I got it from advice from people over the years as I was doing it and, and everything like that. You know, I, I think one of the big things is it's so important to study the game. You know, just just making sure you are staying up with in with your knowledge and not getting stale with 
with the drills that you do and doing the same thing over and over again. Um, but really studying the game and continuing to, to grow and evolve and do that is really important because there's so many good coaches and so many good programs out there that if you're not, if you're not doing that, you're going to kind of fall behind a little bit as one of them. Um, well, let me cut you, you know, off I, for a second. Let me, yeah. um, on that. So like you as a learner, you know, when you did, you know, as you were sharpening the saw every year, like, where did you find your resources? Uh, what did, where did you turn to for professional development? You bet. You know, Wisconsin Baseball Coaches Association Clinic was one. Uh, in the latter years, we, my staff and I started going to the ABCA convention, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, I've got, I don't know, probably hundreds of DVDs and things like that that I bought on, whether it's hitting or pitching or whatever aspect of the game. You, you watch those, you try to pick things from those, you know, over the last, I don't know, however many years since Twitter and things, Twitter came around and YouTube, um, you know, you know, watching things on there, you know, um, Trotsky, a bunch of those guys who do those things, you know, watching, watching for when they send something new out, a new drill and things like that. So um, there's just so many sources now. And the hardest part of that is narrowing it down to what can I use with this group of high school kids that I have, but it's it just kind of continually looking for those things and looking for that one drill that might help those couple guys just become a little bit better. Well, and I, I, I like this question too, because I, Obviously, you know, it's a great time to be a coach, but it also you got to tune the head a little bit, right? You know, you got to what's realistic for you and your program and your situation. But with Wanakee, you guys sent so many players to play college baseball and you've had talent and you've developed the talent. Do you have you had kids come back and say, hey, coach, we got to implement this. We learned this at my school. Um, you had some good things come out of those conversations. Yeah, we try to pick their brains whenever they're around. We try to say, you know, um, you know what? You're an infield. You're playing college. You're playing infield in college. What kind of drills are you doing? You know, you're pitching. What are you guys doing? Not only so much for pitching drills, but recovery. You know, all those things like that. So yeah, we, we've when we've had opportunities to talk to our guys, we've tried to grab grasp every little thing that we can because you know these guys are going to good programs with really good coaches. So yeah, that's that's also been a big part of it. Well, good. So I got you sidetracked a bit. Well, besides professional development and constantly learning yeah. growth mindset, what other advice would you have for coaches? Um, uh, probably a few things. Um, you know, it's uh, coaches are just like everybody else. We have our good days and we have our bad days. You know, we, you know, I, the 2018 season when we won state, I had more runners thrown out at home because I shouldn't have sent them than I did probably my whole coaching career. It was, it was kind of crazy, but you know, so we have our ups and our downs and everything like that. But the biggest thing is, as a head coach, you set the tone, you know, if you're positive and upbeat and you know, how you react to the bad call, how you react to the bad play and everything like that really sets the tone. If you're able to stay positive and upbeat, the guys on your team are going to, if you, if you know, and I've, I think we all get guilty of it. Sometimes if you are a little negative or, you know, whatever that carries over to your players too. So it's, it's really being mindful of that, of that they're looking at you um, and how, what you're doing sets the tone for, for how things are going to go. And that's really, that's really an important one. And one where we have to check ourselves because, you know, we want, we all want perfection and, Baseball is an imperfect game, which is why it's so great. So many weird things happen, bad hops, you know, dropped pop-ups, whatever, all those things like that happen. Um, and it's, you know, how we, how we handle it and how we react to things really makes a difference in not only for our team that day, but in the long term for our team in a year. Um, you know, I mentioned already, trust your, you know, put in the time with your assistant coaches so you can trust them 
to, to really do the things you want them to do. So you don't have to be watching them while you're supposed to be working on a drill with some guys. You don't have to watch it to make sure it's going on. Um, and really just as much as anything, it's, it's so much about enjoy it. Um, it, it's not always easy to, because you have bad days, you get thumped sometimes, you know, the game humbles every single player, coach, umpire, whoever it, it humbles all of us all the time. But that's um, to me, that's the beauty of it. Um, is that it, it does that to you. So you have to enjoy those moments and realize there are going to be some ups and downs, but it's a great game. You're working with great kids and great people. So just enjoy it. And, you know, and, and, and just, realize you know you're not going to do it forever that's obviously something that i've i've come to and and take that take those time take those moments to really enjoy it and and just understand that the more i enjoy it the better everybody's going to be and there it is huge thank you goes out to coach lee for taking time to sit down with us today um especially love the stories of the 2018 team just seems like one of those magical groups uh, with a, a ton of you know family roots and history and youth baseball all the way through that last state championship Division One game, which officially ends the season every year in, in Appleton. Um, just couldn't be happier to have him on the show. And I know as a um, new staff comes into Wanakee, the Wanakee Warriors, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of Coach Lee's legacy that that is left behind. Um, and just really thankful for all the time that he's put into that community and to the state of Wisconsin. And just looking back at his career, I mean, takes over the program in 1997, and in year three is playing in a, in a Division II semifinal at Appleton. And, you know, five trips to Appleton, like I mentioned before, capped off with that 2018 state championship in Division One, And just the, the change that... Um, Wanakee has seen throughout the years uh, as, a, as a community and as a school and then just has baseballs changed um, since that time so I really appreciate his time once again please remember to subscribe and share and pass along these episodes so we can get content out to uh, people across the state of Wisconsin and we look forward to you joining us next Tuesday as we uh, release the next episode and until then have a great rest of your day